It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligera, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912 268 23 2-3-2-8. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. <laughs> I should go uh, right up the street for English class. That's what I should do. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Fight TV. Uh, don't forget, you could catch all of the fights that you can't watch on your regular television provider right on Fight TV. That's F-I-T-E dot TV. And guess what? We got a beautiful embedded player on the front of billycboxing.com so make sure billycboxing.com is your stop to watch all the great fights on fight tv and speaking of fight tv download our free app today visit our website billycboxing.com and click on the download our free app today banner and finally today's show is being brought to us in part by my book Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. Get yourself a copy while you're watching or listening to the show. It's easy. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. It's all over the place. Um, as we gave you a programming note uh, the other day, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow. Uh, so today we're going to do our uh, breakdowns and predictions. A lot of decent fights this weekend, but the main one, heavyweight world title fight between Deontay Wilder and uh, Bermaine Stavern. It's a rematch of when Deontay Wilder actually won his WBC world heavyweight title. I got some quotes, um, not only about the fight, but Deontay Wilder uh, really gave uh, uh, his thoughts on a lot of stuff. Um uh, about racial issues too, which which I found uh, pretty interesting, and um, I agree with a lot of stuff he says. So I'm going to get to that a little bit later. We're going to break down and uh, give you predictions uh, on that fight and some of the others uh, that are scheduled uh, this weekend, including tonight's fight, Jesus Soto Carras. Um, wonder why he's still fighting you know he's clearly uh slowed down a bit and uh he's his he's a warrior and i think it's time for him to hang him up but anyway we'll talk about that we got some other boxing news we got some sports scores world series we got nfl on tonight 
we got uh, some NBA, some hockey scores, all that stuff coming up uh, in a little bit. But joining me right now, um, who's uh, just waking up right now, he, he's only had his first gallon of coffee, uh, is my man uh, Sal uh, Rocky uh, Senicola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy. How are you, buddy? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, how you uh, how you making out today? That's it's great. This is my very first cup of coffee, and I'm smiling with your smiling face on my mug. Yeah. Your mug to my mug. How you like that? As long as you don't get mugged. That's what it looks like. It looks like a mug. It looks like. Well, you know, I'm thinking of grow. I'm I'm growing my hair. Really, you uh, should, man. I'm I'm, 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 I'm going to grow my off. hair. I, I got enough Sharpie juice in here to put a hair. Well, you, you might not need that much. You might only need a fine. You might only need a fine point for 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 what I got <laughs> Whoa, left. Hey, hey, you know hey. what I mean. But uh, but anyway, I I wanted to talk uh, today uh, about uh, the fight coming up this weekend, and I'm not so sure a lot of people think that uh, it's going to be uh, um, competitive. Uh, so let me start off by uh, giving some quotes. Uh, Deontay Wilder, he says, and this is concerning the uh, Stavern fight uh, Saturday night um, in uh, coming at us from uh, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. He says, uh, Stavern's going to see me uh, come, uh, Stavern is going to see me come to the Barclays Center and finish the job on Saturday. He survived the first time. He's the only one to survive on their feet. This is something that I've come back to do. I will finish the job this time. Stavern had a lot of excuses after the last fight. Nobody wants to hear excuses from the loser. He knows what happened. I beat him 12 rounds in a row. I think this fight will be even easier for me. He hasn't improved since we last fought, but I'm going to show him a whole new Deontay Wilder. This is the end of Berman Stavern's career right here. He goes on to say, as soon as Anthony Joshua accepts the fight, then I'll be there. They're trying to distract people because they know that I'm a danger to anybody's career. All their excuses have nothing to do with the sport of boxing. The only thing people care about is the best fighting the best, and that's what I'm trying to do. Back to Stavern, which he should be thinking of. He says, I thought the first Stavern fight uh, should have been stopped. He had knots all over his face and was concussed. I'm not trying to leave any doubt this time around. This is my mandatory opponent. I must face him, and that's just what it is. I've called out every name in the sport. All the top guys have ducked me, so I just have to take care of the people that are able to get in the ring. Um, Sal, you know, Deontay Wilder's comments uh, about, you know, finishing the job, uh, Berman Stavern's going to see a new Deontay, I'm okay with all of that because, to be honest with you, uh, Deontay Wilder hasn't proved uh, since the first fight with, uh, with Stavern. Uh, when he won the title. Not that he's fought uh, any level fighter above Stavern since he won the title, but I, I do think he's gotten a little better. What bothers me about some of these quotes is that he, he jumps back to Anthony Joshua because he knows that Anthony Joshua is regarded as the heavyweight champion. And I can't stand the rhetoric and, and the propaganda, so to speak, where he starts with the, as soon as AJ accepts the fight. You know, they're trying to distract people, uh, talking about other things other than boxing. Uh, he wants to fight the best. And then he says, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I've called out every name in the sport. All the guys duck me. Um, it seems like he's still 
not focused on this Deverne fight. And I don't quite understand where he's coming from about AJ. There's no way that Anthony Joshua is ducking Deontay. And quite honestly, Sal, I don't think anybody is ducking Deontay. I think Deontay Wilder's team is uh, really trying to protect him. But enough is enough. It's time to give him the right opponents that he's saying he's asking for. What's your thoughts on his quotes about Stavern uh, saying that he's going to finish it off? And then his distraction quotes uh, about uh, looking ahead to bigger and better fights, specifically with AJ. All right. I think he is focused on Stavern. I think he's going to try and look impressive. One, because he wants to come up big uh, in lieu of, you know, Anthony Joshua not looking stellar last week. So I think he's going to look at this fight for him to catapult his popularity and his notoriety and, and do a good job and try to finish Stavern. And I can't blame him for some of the rhetoric he's trying to do. I mean, think of it this way, Bill. He does believe he is all that. And maybe he really feels on his level that he's been calling out, he's been trying, he's been doing things. And then for the ancillary comments and everything else, he's bouncing off the rhetoric just to get the attention and to try and stimulate. Remember, I always said, you know, the media doesn't report the news any longer. They stimulate the news. And by his quotes getting out there, it's going to get some fire back or feedback. And, you know, if it helps to promote a, uh, a showdown between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, then why not? Let it rip, let it go, let people carry it and run with it. That's the fight we want to see in 2018. So I'm okay with his quotes. I'm okay with some of the things. Even though we, you and I, and uh, people that pay attention, know that he is not being avoided by many people. Uh, but if he believes he is, uh, and if he thinks this is what's going to help get a fight between he and Anthony Joshua, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, you know, let, let him be pompous. Let him say some things because it's only going to deliver and ultimately give the fans and us what we were looking for. And then he's going to have to put up or shut up. And that's the bottom line. So I'm okay so far with some of his quotes, even though they may not fall in line with the realities of what's going on around him. I'm totally fine with his quotes concerning Berman Stavern. I just think that he, he doesn't have a clue about the other stuff. You know, uh, as soon as Anthony Joshua accepts the fight is what he <laughs> says. Um, I, I've never heard Anthony Joshua say he didn't want to fight. I've never heard Anthony Joshua say, I'm not ready to fight him. I never heard any of that. As a matter of fact, I heard Eddie Hearn say that, uh, you know, they, they plan on having the fight in 2018. They just wanted to get this one mandatory out of the way, you know. And uh, 2018, I, I think they're looking right towards that fight. I, the, the last thing that I had heard about that fight was that, and, and keep it in mind, that, uh, that Deontay Wilder has never made $2 million, uh, $2 million purse yet. And... Uh, you know, Hearn offered, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua's team offered uh, Deontay Wilder a, uh, a $7 million purse plus all of the USA television rights, which could be huge money, to, fight him, huge. In, to fight him in England. And, and from what I understand, they turned it down. You know, and I'm saying to myself, there's no way that he should expect to get more. They can't pay... Anthony, why should Anthony Joshua leave England 
while he's the champ, when he's making 20, 20 million plus, the, the last fight I think it was $30 million total to fight to come, you know, uh, between the television deals and everything else, 90,000, well, in that case, 78,000 indoor. Uh, they had 90,000 for Klitschko. I'm sure they can uh, draw 90,000 people for a showdown with Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's foolish. It's foolish, you know, and uh, I, I just, you know, they're saying as soon as he accepts the fight, well, that's because, you know, he's making it sound like uh, Anthony Joshua has to come to him. And and I think that that's, that's uh, it's an elephant in the room, Sal. You know, everybody's on to Deontay except for you and Deontay. Well, you know, I, it's not that I'm not getting on to Deontay. And, you know, when we look at business, and boxing is a business, by the way, you're a contender, you're a champion, you're a fighter, you're a prospect. You only have a few short years to make your money, get in and out of the game while you still have your senses and wherewithal, uh, body and mind intact to go on and enjoy the rest of your life. Some fighters, they, they don't realize that. They are, are led along like the baited carrot. You know, that's what I always found. You know, that carrot was always in front of me. And I used to say, what's up, Doc? No. Uh, you know, looking for that big next one. It's the next one. It's the next one. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard. So you realize you're in here for a certain amount of time. You're going to make it or break it and get on with your life. And, you know, when you look at it from a business standpoint, you take some of the, the emotion and drama out of it. It's uh, But it's a hard thing to walk away from for anybody. So he's got to look at this as business sense. Yes, I would love to see Anthony Joshua come to the United States, even though it may not make as much business sense for Anthony Joshua because he's making a ton of money in his backyard. I think there will be a great uh, welcoming uh, committee for Anthony Joshua once he did land his, his uh, presence in the United States. And I think fans, he would gain more fans. I think his his uh, his fighting in the United States would be a big attraction. We don't know what it would draw as far as a live gate. We can only anticipate that we will get some big fans coming out for those, that fight. Uh, but with everything signed, sealed, and delivered and presented to Deontay Wilder, you can keep all the U.S., all the, the, the pay-per-view, whatever it is. I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's like, hey, buddy, here's what we got to do. Let's get over. Let's get this fight on. Let's have a fight in 2018. You come over here. I'll give you this portion. You get this, and you know what? You'll be comfortable. And win, lose, or draw, we'll have a rematch or whatever we got to do, and then we'll come to the United States. I mean, this could all be negotiated and and everything else. So I think uh, I think they should, should make some serious notes, get some serious uh, priorities in order, and make this fight happen. And they could tag the fight. They could title the fight. No excuses. Yeah, you know, boom, and that's it. Listen, I'll I'll, I I'll like guarantee it right now. I'll guarantee it right now and make a bold prediction that assuming Deontay Wilder beats Deverne easily, which I think he will this weekend, um, he will not fight AJ next. That uh, Deontay Wilder will choose another opponent or be mandated to fight another opponent or some other BS and then blame AJ. When remember, boys and girls, we heard uh, Team Anthony Joshua say that they would love to fight uh, Deontay Wilder in uh, the beginning of 2018. So uh, some quotes from Berman Stavern. Stavern says, and this is regarding, of course, the Deontay Wilder fight. Stavern says, I have no fear heading into this fight. It's not that I didn't see the openings in the last fight. 
I just couldn't physically perform how I needed to. I had health concerns last fight, but now I've turned the chapter on that, and I'm focused on Saturday night. This is going to be a completely different fight this time around. I'm hungry to win. I'm always motivated and excited about getting into the ring, but obviously this is the biggest chance I'm going to have. The stage is set, and my destiny is in front of me. I always said I was going to be the first person to beat him, and that's going to come uh, together on Saturday. Everything's been perfect in camp. Deontay's going to be in for a rude awakening on Saturday. I'm going to let my fist do the talking for me. Um, you know, it all sounds good, Sal. And, uh, sounds great. They, they always do. They always do. But, uh, you know, Stavern hasn't – he's been known to not focus on training, although I know he's got at least – uh, a good six weeks in uh, for this fight. I'm not making excuses, but my health was You know, the funny thing is, is that Stavern was never anything special to begin with. Uh, his biggest win on his resume, really, which I'll get to later, is Chris Ariola. Um, you know, I, I don't see... Uh, I don't see... I, listen, I don't want to get into my prediction right now, but I don't see anything different. Uh, Stavern is saying what he has to say. Uh, I do like the fact that he says I'll let my fist do the talking. I think his only shot uh, uh, is to jump all over Deontay. Deontay uh, thinks he's pretty invincible. And I, if I'm fighting Deontay, uh, I would want to use that confidence against him. Uh, I would try to bait him uh, into doing uh, uh, something that he may make a mistake on. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to take. He said, she said. I think they're just going through the motions. What do you think? <laughs> they're going through. Like I said, they've got to stimulate the the interest and, and, and make it sound like each one of them are going to be the world beater they think they are and, and go out there and do it. I mean, I'm still getting trying to get over to comment one of, your, one, of your, one of our fans made yesterday about watching Deontay Wilder throw his combination of punches or, or reminds him of a drunken octopus. So, you know. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see Deontay Wilder do real well in this fight. And I'd like to see him uh, win and, and win big. And then I'd like to see uh, negotiations and talks go on where we can have a fight signed, sealed, and delivered before April of 2018 between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. That's my prediction. That's what I would hope to see. Um, some other quotes that I wanted to mention. Stavern had said, and by the way, uh, Berman Stavern turned 39 yesterday. Uh, he says, uh, I've been in a gym all day, every day. I'm better than ever now. I've always thought the fight was never going to happen with Deontay and Ortiz as soon as they announced it. The, the first thing I thought was, uh, this fight's not going to happen, so I'm going to get ready for it. Um, you know, that's interesting because a lot of uh, uh, naysayers have, have thought that both the uh, Luis Ortiz uh, and the uh, Alexander Povetkin fights um, that uh, both fighters uh, tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs, which uh, uh, nixed the fights against Deontay Wilder. A lot of people, uh, naysayers, Deontay Wilder naysayers, believe that uh, those were all setups, that, the, uh, you know, that Team Wilder knew that these guys weren't going to pass uh, the, uh, the, the, the PED test. And that's why he signed. And, you know, although that sounds kind of ludicrous, as Mike Tyson would say, it, it does seem to have a pattern. You know, um, Deontay's version of it is nobody wants to fight him. Everybody's scared. 
and then as soon as he signs with a, a good fighter, all of a sudden they test positive. Uh, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't see Deontay Wilder posing that much trouble for a fighter that they would have to cheat in order to win, especially when you're at the level of fighting for a world title. So I'm not sure what to believe uh, with that. But, um, and I and to be honest with you, Sal, I'm not even sure what to believe about Stavern being in the gym. He's been known to, uh, to, to be a little lazy uh, in the gym. So I'm not even sure uh, I, uh, I believe that. The one thing I am sure of, turning 39 and being as inactive uh, as uh, Bavern Stavern has been. Remember, his last fight uh, was a 10-round decision uh, over uh, Derek Rossi in 2015. So it's been two years since yeah. Stavern has fought. You know, so, I mean, these are the type of opponents that Deontay Wilder steps in the ring with. Well, uh, and hopefully by no fault of his own, as we would suggest, possibly. But I do think that uh, Berman Stavern, he's got to really know that this may be one of his last big opportunities. And I'm sure he does know that at the age of 39 and that he's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. Um, I think he'll come alive a little bit and uh, do what he's got to do to look at, make it look good. And maybe he'll uh, get lucky. But um, I do predict Deontay Wilder is going to have a, a good night and a, and a night that he's going to want to display some good skill to uh, send a message to the Joshua camp. That's my prediction of what I think. And, yeah, I think Stavern's got to do what he's got to do to make it interesting and to be competitive and to show that he wants this fight. He's going to win. He's going to do everything he's got to do. But I, I think it's going to be anticlimactic for, for uh, Stavern. I, uh, I would love to see Stavern land a lucky shot. I know and, you would. And, and I know uh, you, you know, because would. I, I tell you something, Deontay Wilder, his, his physique, his body is totally prime to uh, attack him in the body, right in the midsection. Stavern is, is physically set up perfectly to do so. His uh, height disadvantage, uh, where he is in his normal stance, is perfect to go inside and, well, try to get inside and work that body, especially... If he's using, like I said, take the overconfidence of Deontay Wilder against him, assuming that Deontay Wilder in this fight will be looking for a knockout like he has against the cupcakes he's been fed uh, in his last five fights uh, since the Stavern fight. Uh, because remember, when he fought Stavern, he did, for the only time that I've ever seen him, he did employ... Uh, you know, a jab and, and some boxing skill, which he's yet to do since. So considering his confidence is at an all-time high, I'm thinking he's going to go for the knockout. If I'm Team Stavern, I want to get inside. I want to cover up. I want to get inside, and I want to work that skinny body uh, and then go up the stairs. I agree. I mean, that would be a good approach, and that would be a good technique and a good uh, a good showdown as far as what he could do. But I'll tell you what, don't just discount Deontay Wilder's skinny body, as you say, because I'll tell you what happened. Even though he's got a lean mass as far as a physique in the midsection, don't think it's not bulletproof. What I mean by that, that it's strong, that it's tough, that he's able to endure and get and receive those blows. Because, you know, I've seen many, many strong, thin fighters 
able to withstand a barrage of good midsection blows uh, only to come back and win. In fact, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, when you have, and I've been lean at times in my fights, and, you know, people have hit me in the body, and you, even though it, it doesn't have that mass around it, uh, don't discount that it's not strong enough to withstand a heavy blow because it, it surely, most times, and not, surely can do so. We're going to take so a short just, break. Don't just, don't just think he's got a soft, thin middle ready to bend in half and break. We gotta, he doesn't, I guarantee you. We got to shoot. We got to take a break. We're over, Sal. And Sal, while we take a break, check your mic because you're not using uh, the one that's in front of you. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? Back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And don't forget, programming note, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow, but it will be a great time for you to catch up on some of the shows that you've missed. And don't worry if you're, a, uh, if you're watching on a television affiliate or a radio affiliate, they will be getting shows. So uh, don't worry about that. I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, I have um, the other day... Um, uh, your boy Deontay Wilder, uh, and first of all, I, I I know what you're saying about the midsection. Don't you know? Just look at a, a skinny midsection and assume it can be busted up. And you know, I agree with you in every weight class except the heavyweight division, because in the heavyweight division, you could have an opponent that you know is much bigger physically in terms of weight and muscle mass. You know, Deontay Wilder's a, uh, Wilder is a tall guy, and he's in great physical condition. There's no question about that. That's the one thing I admire and respect about Deontay. He always stays in good shape. But his frame is not built uh, like a thick fighter. He, he's built more like an NBA player, in my opinion. And a short, stocky guy, short to, compared to Deontay, uh, a short, stocky guy uh, like uh, uh, Berman Stavern, and anyone else, for that matter, that has stepped in a ring with Deontay, because most of them have been uh, shorter than him, should employ a body attack. Nobody has oh, yeah. yet. No, Nobody I, I has did. yet. You know, and how do you know that it's a solid body? Nobody's really attacked it. You know, I would definitely. And even if it is a solid body, you know, just like anyone else, no matter what, working the body breaks your opponent down. It does. And that would be the ideal strategy for Berman Stavern to uh, implement. I'm sure he he's going to be thinking along that line. You know, you're a shorter fighter, you're more compact, and, you know, the body, especially the longer, lankier body, is a perfect target to go for. And, you know, we used to say, kill the body, the head will fall, or something like that, you know, and uh, attack the body to kill the head, you know. And it all comes together. But the bottom line is, he's got to get inside to do that, and he's got to work his way in, and he's got to eat some punches on his way in. So, you know, if he can get in there and keep up a steady attack on the body, yeah, it will take its toll. But uh, what I'm trying to re- refer to is just don't think that because he's a long, lean uh, body that that is not uh, 
full of muscles that are going to protect him for the outer shell for as long as it can, it will eventually break and, and penetrate and, and uh, wear him down, yes. But uh, I don't think he's going to be one to fold over in half and break uh, on one or two body shots. No, but I think he will fold over and break after a few more. And and the other thing is is that um, you know a guy like Deontay, even though he comes after you trying to knock your head off, you know he's got those long lang- lanky arms and his build is lanky. You know, get inside. You know, take that away from him. I agree. Uh, you know, I Perfect mean, a guy, Deontay. I mean, uh, Anthony Joshua has shown us that he lands a devastating uppercut. He's become proficient, and he's actually working on it even more and more. I mean, look at look at the Klitschko fight. Deontay, I, at least in my recent memory, I can't recall him um, really utilizing the uppercut. Now, if he did, and I'm you know uh, not recalling it, that could indicate why people are cautious about going in. Plus, like you also said, you know, you got to eat a couple of punches going in, and that's where Deontay's his best. He's got that pop, you know. So, uh, you know, there could be a lot of reasons why uh, fighters aren't taking advantage. But, I, you know, my game plan, if I'm if I'm a heavyweight and, you know, I'm looking at Deontay Wilder, I'm saying I got to try and, and, and work that body. I, that would be my, my first no, game plan. Absolutely. You cut the ring off on him. You slip underneath those long arms and jabs. You nullify his strengths. And you stay there. Once you get in there, you stay there. You pound away. You get him on a rope. Do what you got to do. That is a good attack. It's a good approach. And, you know, whether it, even if the first, second, third, fourth blow does not affect, it's going to be the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And then and, and then the constant barrage on his body, that'll break him down. And we'll drop those hands and we'll leave the head exposed to get some real serious shots. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's what, uh, that's what you know, I... I mean, listen, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the sport of boxing right now, I, you know, we, it takes much too long to, to really get the big fights. And like I've said many times, you know, the, the marination process that, that you know, promoters uh, like to, uh, you know, do is BS. Because after every huge fight, another one is there. You know, I mean, um, you could say, oh, the big fight uh, right now in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder against AJ, you know, and then if they had that fight tomorrow, there'd be another fight that would emerge. Okay, well, that fight's over. So-and-so won. So now I want to see him fight this guy, you know. So there's always another fight for every weight class waiting on the horizon. And and then you also have the other uh, uh, issue, if you want. If the fight is good. You know, if the fight is a, it becomes what, what we would look at as a classic, then the rematch is always viable. You know, so I mean, um, it it I think it's counterproductive for these guys to to wait so long for the fights. I think it's more than just a marination process. I I, I really think uh, that uh, you know it's a strategic move. Uh, some fighters like uh, Canelo. Uh, we're waiting for Triple G to age a little more. He Canelo had age on his side. Uh, you know, I, I think that fighters do that. You know, Floyd certainly did. I, I just, you know, I think when, when boxing, a weight division, and we're talking heavyweights now, when a weight division calls for a fight where you have two guys that are parallel and, and assuming they're at the same level, it's time to fight. 
You know, I mean, years ago, people will always remember uh, Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard had an opportunity to fight earlier in their career, and uh, both uh, uh, managers, uh, trainers, uh, Angelo Dundee and uh, uh, Manny Stewart got together and said, hey, listen, these two fighters are going to have a showdown down the road. Let's not jump into the ring now. Let's wait until they're both champions, and uh, we'll have a much bigger uh, payday. And they were right. The difference here, Sal, is that these guys already have titles, and there is a lot of money on the line right now. There's no need to marinate anything. No, and, and as I said, I would be surprised if they're going to test the fans and the, and the boxing wherewithal with having a fight later than June of 2018 between Anthony Joshua and and uh, and uh, Deontay Wilder. In fact, I, I'd like to see, and I'd hope that fight would be signed, sealed, and delivered to us by April of uh, 2018. But we'll see. Oh, I hope it's sooner than that, my man. Well, I'm just I, saying. I, hope, I, I, I mean, they're going to have the rest of the year to put it together, and that would be a nice Christmas gift to say, "Hey, look, guess what? We just signed, sealed, delivered. We're going to fight in February." That'd be great. Make no mistake; these guys have already discussed things. They're they're stuck. The team. I tell you right now. Team Wilder is is trying to outprice himself. This is typical when you get a fighter saying, so-and-so is scared to fight me. He won't fight me. They don't want to fight. They're ducking me. They're this, they're that. That's typical comments from a fight that's been offered and one side is trying to get more money. You know, Deontay Wilder, and I don't disagree, is trying to make the most money that he possibly can. It could very well be his last fight if he fights AJ. You know, so he wants to cash out. He wants to get a big payday. You know, I don't blame him for that. But when is mm-hmm. when is enough? When do you say when? You know, when is when? When when, when do you say when? You know, I mean, uh, a guy who hasn't made $2 million uh, in, in purse money to date as a world champion offered $7 million plus U.S. television rights. Uh, listen, boys and girls. I mean, that's just you, gonna get, I mean U.S. television <laughs> rights. He could probably make more than seven million on just the U.S. Whatever deal he cuts with Showtime, or if they decide to make the U.S. Uh, viewing uh, pay per view. I mean, you know, the guy could be in a position to make a ton of money. But yes, in order to do so, he's got to go to the U.K. I, I, you know, if I'm Team Wilder. I'm jumping on that. All the U.S. TV rights, that's a lot of money, Sal. That, it, it, phenomenal. And you know what? That's a contract I would jump all over. You know what? And what's stopping them? Hey, guess what? We're going to have a rematch clause in that contract no matter who wins. And the next fight's going to be in the United States. So I think they could parlay this thing and, and uh, make a good living. And guess what? By the end of 2018, we see two fights between these guys. They'll both be lining their pockets and giving the fans what they want. So, uh that would be that would be my approach to see this whole thing, this drama and this this thing put the rest finally. I want to see Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua put a fight together, and uh, but with the powers that may be, I think we can get two fights out of this and see who who uh, depends uh, you know on things who uh, is going to be clearly the winner. Exactly. Listen, and the fans take... will win. Fans will win. Well, and because uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be just a. a, a a uh, walk in a park for any one of these guys. I think it's going to test both guys, and I think it will not go the distance, and I think we're going to be, be happy with the results. we got to take another break. When I come back, I got some comments from Deontay Wilder the other day 
that are extremely interesting. You, you don't want to miss this. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And um, I'm here with Sal Rocky Senicola. And uh, Sal, the other day, Deontay Wilder was uh, in a pissed off mood. And it wasn't <laughs> over Anthony Joshua. It wasn't over uh, Berman Stavern. It wasn't over comments made by Billy C. It, it, I was it, just gonna it, say it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know the the love affair that has developed between you know uh, Sal Rocky Senecola and Deontay. It was. Uh, it was. It was uh, over none of those things. It was over a much more serious topic. Uh, and all kidding aside, um, it was over uh, basically racism. And, you know, racism has become uh, an issue here in the United States, um, in my opinion, and many others. Uh, racism is, is at its worst point since the early 60s when we had uh, a lot of racial tension here in the United States. It was a different time then, and a lot of it was more justified than it seems today, uh, at least through my eyes. Um, but that's another story. But Deontay Wilder went off uh, on uh, a tangent, and he said, in a nutshell, he says, which which a lot of people make this comment, and you know, it's a, it's kind of an ignorant statement. But he said, and I quote: "This is Deontay Wilder. The more I learn about this country, the more I want to move to another country." Now, I'm going to read the whole quote, but. You know, just and and I'm sure he didn't mean it the way it sounds because the truth of the matter is, you know what I always say, Sal. If you don't like it, get the hell out. I mean, I mean, if people really don't like this country and for everything it stands for, then get the hell out of the country. You know, go somewhere else. You know, if people didn't appreciate the way of life we have in the United States, then all these thousands and thousands of people. Uh, wouldn't want to live here. You know, they wouldn't want to come here and start their lives and move their families and scale the giant wall that Trump has built, <laughs> which is a whole nother joke. I don't mean to make light of that, but but you know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, don't complain. You know, you hear a lot of these high-profile people, and I'm not, uh, I'm getting off of Deontay here for a second, but a lot of, uh, you see a lot of actors and actresses making comments like this, and a lot of these people are, that make these kinds of comments is comments are so um, financially well off that you, you scratch your head. You're like, why are you making a comment like that? You know, uh, that you're going to go move to another uh, country. You know, I mean, go ahead, leave. Let don't let the gate on the United States hit you in the ass. That's what I say. So. Well, well, you know, it is a touchy subject and, and a matter of opinion, but I think, other people or these people that do say they want to move to another country or find another country to live in, 
don't forget there's trade-offs, pal. You know, you may know one one thing as, as you perceive it, but guess what? You're not going to know another when you get there. So there are going to be trade-offs in all decisions we make in life. And I feel in my heart of hearts that the United States of America is the greatest country on earth. And I think, you know, it gives people the freedoms and opportunities that still attracts people to come here. Uh, I'm sure there's other great countries and every patriotic uh, member of that country should feel the same way as I do uh, and respect each country as I do. And there are trade-offs with each country as I perceive and I feel there are. And it's just a matter of what is the right fit for you. But if you made your millions of dollars here and uh, you've uh, now wanted to turn around and bash this country, well, you know, it's kind of... Uh, kind of a statement then you know what do as your mouth or he says you know get out and move out and uh use use the country as you have and as you will in the future but uh you know if you don't like it leave exactly you know i mean uh i, I agree with you there but let me read the whole quote because i you know i'm not I, i'm not really putting deontay in that no and I, in that I don't blank. think he meant it to be taken literally i think there's another message within the message is right what and this is and, the, and this is this whole point of of why i'm even reading this he says and this is the complete quote from wild he says the more i learn about this country the more i want to move to another country trump was right with his thoughts about the black community being irresponsible people don't want to hear this people won't don't want to hear the facts look at uh, white-owned corporations investing in jails because they were promised that those mother effers would stay full. Um, he quoted uh, uh, John H. McWhorter was an author and a professor at Columbia University, and uh, he wrote, uh, to term ourselves as part of African uh, reinforces a sad implication that our history is basically slave ships, plantations, lynching, firehouses uh, in Birmingham and South Central, and that we need to look to Mother Africa to feel good about themselves. Um, and this is, uh, you know, he feels that black Americans are black Americans, that they shouldn't be called African Americans. And Deontay Wilder felt the same way. He's blaming uh, some of the black community. He says, my head is, and this is Deontay, he says, my head is in a peaceful state of mind. I'd love to fight Anthony Joshua. I still sit back and analyze my career. Uh, I think, what have I done so wrong to get the bad end of the stick with all these fights? All I've ever wanted uh, was to fight the best and be the best. Am I that dangerous uh, to other fighters' careers that they have to do certain things? You know, a lot seems to be on Deontay Wilder's mind, Sal. The racial tension obviously uh, is uh, is playing a, a part. Uh, I do think that he makes a strong uh, statement, uh, and only he could. I certainly can't uh, to uh, the black community saying, "Hey, you know, let's stick up for each other before we start pointing fingers at everybody else." That's the way I read it, um, and yeah. you know, and he says. Let's be proud that we're, you know, um, black Americans, you know, and, and just like uh, uh, John H. McWhorter writes, you know, why do you have to insert African? Because you're kind of you're kind of not letting yourself get out of, um, uh, you know, that negative, that whole negative uh, slave thing and everything else that McWhorter writes about, you know, uh, which is uh, horrific that, uh, you know, any 
uh, group of people had to go through uh, at any time in history. Uh, but let's, you know, basically say move on, you know, be proud of what you've accomplished. You're you're living in America. You know, you're, uh, there's so many success stories, um, more than not, I would think, and be proud of it. And I think Deontay Wilder is trying to pick up that torch and run with it. So he's battling that front. He's battling, uh, you know, Berman Stavern, who's going to be physically in front of him on Saturday. He's battling the questions that people ask and, and uh, you know, don't give him credit for, like myself, uh, the Anthony Joshua. I mean, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder's got a lot on his mind, Sal. Is it going to play into Saturday's fight? He does have a lot on his mind. And, you know, to, to uh, not wear it on his sleeve, for back, lack of a better term, but... Uh, it, I, as you had suggested, I, I do like Deontay Wilder. I do think, you know, he, he does have some talent, and I do believe he has some passion that he does feel <clears throat> strong about uh, as far as movements and things. And, and uh, you know, I think a fighter, especially on his level, knows how to put everything in context, uh, context and I think he will put the blinders on him. I think he will focus, and I think he's going to have Berman Sternberg remains uh, on his mind and in his uh, sights on uh, Saturday night, and that's all he's going to think about. The ancillary, secondary, and, and, and tertiary, these are all things that, that you know you do pay attention to and you do want to entertain and think about. That's fine, but make no doubts about it. He's a professional. He knows what he has to do Saturday night. He's going to be focused. The blinders are going to be on, and that's the only thing he's going to be thinking about. I promise you that day of the fight and going into that fight. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, that uh, that will be the case. Um, just an update here on uh, 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 member Amir Mansoor. You know, this is a a forty year old plus. I think he's over forty now. Heavyweight, twenty three wins, two losses, and a draw. Um, that uh, you know, he feels that people are ducking him. He thought that he should get a shot against Deontay Wilder. Feels that Deontay Wilder's team is is ducking him. Um, so uh, he announced that uh, uh, he signed with a new agent, and uh, he's looking forward to uh, uh, getting uh, in the ring soon. I don't think a new agent's going to get him a fight with uh, Deontay Wilder. I just think that he's one of these odd guys out. He's a dangerous fighter. Uh, he's not uh, overly skilled, but he's a powerful guy. And, you know, the way the, the uh, landscape of, of boxing is today, you avoid those kinds of guys. And, um, you know, Deontay Wilder's team has been very successful in putting him in, which they term as safe fights. And although I think he beats Mansoor, Mansoor's a tough guy. He's a tough out. He's willing to take a punch or two. And maybe, uh, maybe they look for fighters that aren't willing to take a punch or two from Wilder. And uh, that's why he's uh, sitting where he is, Sal. That could be. And, you know, it is strategy. Remember, I always used to say, hey, you have a commodity. You're going to look to promote the commodity, and everyone's going to ride on that back of that commodity to make as much money for as long as they can with that commodity. So Deontay Wilder is a commodity for a lot of people. And uh, they are going to promote, they're going to prolong, and they're going to do what they can do to maneuver. That's why I'm saying before sooner and later, I think uh, a, a fight with a rematch clause against Anthony Joshua would be a good answer to everything that they're looking for, both fighters, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. They'll make enough money, 
They'll get enough notoriety, and they'll have a rematch, and I think they could both enjoy their lives later on. I'm going to be bringing up all the fights that are on TV uh, this weekend and break them down and give you my official prediction in a minute. But first, let's get you caught up on uh, other sports scores and some emails I have. World Series action last night. It's finally over. We were treated to... uh, uh, a fantastic uh, World Series, except for last night's game. It, it became kind of anticlimactic for me. Um, the Astros uh, beat up the Dodgers pretty badly, a uh, 5-1. to one. Uh, I had uh, been rooting for the Dodgers. They are my second team, so congratulations to the Astros. One thing I do want to say, you know, for a lot of times when you look at World Series or Super Bowls or NBA championships, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of times the two teams that emerge – to play for the world titles are, are generally regarded as not the best teams. I do honestly believe that the American League uh, had their best team in the Astros and the National League had their best team in the Dodgers. Uh, I think what happened last night was that uh, Dave Roberts, who's the manager of the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, blew it. Uh, you know, he over he, he didn't manage. He, he, he was over... He, he, he was outmanaged. Uh, the Astros uh, beat up uh, uh, Darvish early. Um, and uh, in my opinion, Dave Roberts should have pulled uh, the Dodgers' starting pitcher, Darvish, uh, after the score was 2 to nothing. Uh, he let him stick it around for another run. It was 3 to nothing, And then all of a sudden, 5 to nothing. You know, to come back from 2 to nothing, uh, you know, like uh, they were down in the first inning, um, you know, that's a doable thing. They, the Dodgers found themselves with bases loaded and couldn't score uh, in the inning after that. But, uh, but you don't put the guy back out on the mound when he just can't get it done. He didn't get it done in the first uh, game, and uh, he didn't get it done in this game. The bottom line, when you're a manager, especially in a World Series, there is no tomorrow. There's no setting anybody up. There's no lining up pitches. Everybody was ready to pitch that night. He should have benched Darvis, and uh, who knows what would have happened. But uh, they pile on five runs on the guy, and the Dodgers couldn't come back after that. Congratulations to the Astros. They were a hitting team. Uh, They showed that uh, uh, coming into L.A., being up a game and then losing to tie it uh, did not deter them. Uh, It seemed that uh, destiny was on their side with all of the uh, tragedies that happened in uh, Houston this year. Uh, so congratulations to the Houston Astros. They were the better team last night, and the World Series uh, uh, boiled down to uh, that game. And uh, it was an exciting series, except for last night. Uh, that was a one-sided game. Uh, it was not did not have the drama that the other six games seemed to have. But uh, anyway, uh, did you watch it? I did watch it while we were uh, eating dinner at the pizzeria and things, and we had the highlights and we had the game on and. You know, the Dodgers did have their moments, as you suggested. They had the bases loaded. They had some uh, mighty Casey at bat moments. And just like Mudville, they struck out. But uh, it did have its moments where you could almost anticipate, okay, they're going to tie it up. They're going to do it. They're going to get within striking distance. But in the final game of the World Series, to come back from a 5 nothing deficit is a tough thing to claw at. And I agree with you. It's like I say with fighters any given night. You know, these guys just fell apart, and they got the, the management. I agree. They should have pulled that picture, pitcher, and uh, they should have definitely kept kept it going. Once the batters from Houston saw that pitcher for the first time and the second time, 
man, it was like, hey, we got this guy's number. We're going to bang him away. That's what they did. They should have given him a new look with a new picture. Yeah, no, they, listen, uh, they had Kershaw ready. Kershaw came in the game, uh, pitched well. Um, but uh, big mistake by Dave Roberts. And, uh, my yeah, he may opinion. have to pay for that. Too. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, the guy seemed to have the right formula all year long, uh, choked in the biggest game of the year. And uh, I, I believe that nobody should sugarcoat it. They need to put him on the chopping block, not to get rid of him. I'm not meaning that. I mean, he's he's got to stand up and say it was his his fault because it was. He's the guy that makes the decision. Uh, you could blame uh, Darvish all you want, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, the manager is supposed to make those decisions. And, um, you know, he, he failed. But uh, over in the NBA, the Hornets beat the Bucks 126-121. Paces over the Cavaliers 124-107. 76ers beat the Hawks 119-109. Uh, the Suns beat the Wizards 122-116. The Celtics topped the Kings 113-86. The Heat beat the Bulls 97-91. The Rockets over the Knickerbockers 119-97. The Magic squeaked by the Grizzlies, 101-99. The Timberwolves topped the Pelicans. You know, the Pelicans just doesn't seem like a, the right name for an NBA team. But anyway, uh, Timberwolves beat the Pelicans. Yeah, 104-98. The Nuggets beat the Raptors, 129-111. The Jazz over the Trailblazers, 112-103. And the Clippers uh, beat the Mavericks uh, by 9, 119-98 uh, in, uh, in that one. Uh, actually by 11, but uh, I can't add. Uh, in the NHL, the Blackhawks shut out the Flyers 3-zip. The Penguins over the Oilers 3-2. Devil the Devils over the Canucks 2-0. Maple Leafs over the Ducks 3-1. And the Sharks beat the Predators 4-1. It's Thursday night football tonight, and uh, the uh, Bills are uh, coming to the, uh, uh, I, I was going to say Meadowlands, but MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands uh, to play the uh, hapless Jets. Uh, the Bills are 5-2, and two, uh, sitting atop, uh, tied with the top of the uh, AFC East. The Jets are sinking deeper and deeper into the abyss at 3-5. and five. The point spread on this game is the Bills laying out 3. The total is 43. Listen, uh, I, I wouldn't bet this game at all. You never know uh, what happens. This is a long-time rivalry. Uh, but I can't, personally, I'm not playing this game. But I can't see the Jets beating the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are a well-coached team. They seem to be finally uh, displaying discipline, something that they haven't displayed uh, over the last several years. And uh, the Jets display none of that. They are coached by a, a guy that shouldn't even be allowed to enter a stadium as a, as a spectator, let alone a coach. Uh, their offensive game plans stifle themselves. Uh, they, uh, they go up ahead. Uh, in a game, and then all of a sudden they, they try to establish something they do not have, and that's called a running game. They don't have any good running backs. They got two decent running backs in uh, uh, in in their rookie and also uh, with uh, uh, Bailey Powell. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, Forte, I mean, he, it's not his Forte anymore. But, no, uh, <laughs> Matt Forte is, is, a, is an old guy. You know, uh, he's good uh, for situational uh, plays and you you just can't you just can't put uh, all the pressure on these three guys. They're just they don't have one of those durable. Let's give them the ball every down kind of running back. But yet they play and call their offensive uh, game plan as if they did. And oh by the way, they don't have a line either. 
And the quarterback isn't the sharpest tool in the shed, even though uh, Josh McDowell has been having a, a fantastic uh, year. Um, but uh, the Jets are terrible. They're, it's an embarrassment uh, to be a Jet fan. I am one. And uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, uh, waste any money on this game tonight. Uh, but with that said, the Jets and Bills always play tough. Um, and the Jets are home. Uh, if you want to throw your money uh, in the air, go ahead. But... Uh, uh, I don't anticipate the Jets uh, winning this game. As a matter of fact, I don't think they're going to win another game all season. Anyway, <clears throat> we got a couple of emails. Uh, this first one is from uh, my man Brian Todaro. Uh, Brian says, hey, Billy C., I haven't written in a while, but I still listen on a regular basis. I have two quick, quick notes and uh, I have two quick notes to make and a question. He says, uh, number one, I am a worse boxing fan now that the Billy C. Challenge isn't going on anymore, uh, that really kept me paying attention to all the fights. Uh, each weekend, it's a little harder to get up for some of these shows uh, when uh, the matchups suck or uh, when the best are fighting placeholders uh, instead of top guys. Looking back, I have no idea how I made all the time to research for your challenge, but it honestly kept me more interested in boxing. Uh, thanks for that experience and all the work you put into that. I, I really appreciate that, Brian, uh, big time. And uh, a, a lot of people missed the challenge. And if you're new to the show, we, we did uh, the Billy C. Challenge, which every week uh, we had a, a bunch of fights uh, that you had to pick. And, and, you know, we kept the running tally uh, based on winning percentage and gave out prizes every month. It was a lot of work. I just, I just couldn't keep up with it. Uh, but uh, I promise we will uh, have the uh, challenge uh, reinvented um, coming soon, maybe maybe next year. Uh, he says, uh, you had me laughing out loud all the way to work today. I was listening to Monday's show uh, when you were talking about Moro Ronaldo. Uh, I really want to punch the uh, shit out of him is what you said. Did I say that? And he Did says, you say that? And, and he says, and also how stupid looking he looked. Uh, did I really say that? He says, those are some classic Billy C quotes. I wish I could have been I wish I could have seen Sal trying to hold it together during I that segment. For a mute button, but I'm nullified here. Did I really say those nasty things about <laughs> Moro Ronaldo? Billy, we'll talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, geez, uh, it's not like he slipped my tires on my car or anything. But no, yeah, but, I want, but I the, the, the truth of the matter is, in case anybody doesn't know it, yeah, I can't stand Ronaldo. Anyway. Um, he says in three, uh, I recently watched a 30 for 30 about Tommy Morrison. Uh, it was pretty good, and there's a bunch of things I didn't know about his life. I recall over the years you having uh, some opinions, and in parentheses it puts imagine that, uh, about Tommy and how he managed his career, treated his promoters, and was in denial about his uh, unfortunate health status. Have you talked about this uh, documentary? And if not, uh, what did you think? I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Brian, I appreciate your email. Um, I did not watch the documentary, um, but we have talked a lot about uh, Tommy to Duke Morrison on this show. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, before he passed, uh, Tommy was on this show several times, uh, as uh, his wife was as well. And, uh, um, you know, it's and 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 you know it's funny that Brian brings this up because I got a nasty comment uh, on a, uh, a a Tommy uh, Morrison I, I think it was a blast from the past we did and there are people that believe that HIV doesn't exist uh, that AIDS is uh, all a fabrication from the U.S. government etc etc etc. Really? Uh, 
you know, the, the, the thing is, is that Tommy Morrison um, was a good fighter. There's no question about it. Um, but um, but he was in denial, you know. Uh, some of the things, I mean, all he had to do, and I asked him flat out, you know, you want to fight, all you got to do is succumb to a, a blood test. You know, and he had this whole theory that where people were out to get him and, and they were they were tainting his blood and all this stuff. And he didn't want to <laughs> give his blood because he felt that he wasn't going to get a fair test. And uh, it was pretty easy. All he had to do was uh, have a... Uh, a commission-approved uh, blood company, you know, a, a blood drawing company, take his blood and run it through the test. And uh, if he passed, he would have been allowed to fight. He refused to do that. His health deteriorated, and uh, he passed. And you know, he was uh, cremated quickly. And uh, on his birth certificate, uh, they wouldn't even allow them to put uh, the anything to do about HIV. And it's it was a crazy crazy natural situation. Cause, right? Well, it's a crazy no, it wasn't natural cause, but it, it was right. a crazy uh, uh, situation with him, and it's a shame because he was a shame. good fighter, and uh, you know woulda coulda shoulda. It would have been interesting to see uh, how his uh, career would have uh, progressed uh, if he did not, um, you know, get uh, uh, you know uh, side railed by uh, by by HIV and all of that. Yes, Sal. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I was watching some old Tommy Morrison fights, and I cannot help but think of the devastating knockout that he took from uh, one of our men, men that we uh, both know, Merciless, Ray Mercer. I mean, that was a devastating knockout that uh, Ray launched on uh, Tommy Morrison uh, several years ago. And that's a hard one to recover from there. Speaking of Ray Mercer, he called me Halloween night, and he said hi. He listens to the show, and uh, it was good to hear from him, as well as Marlon Starlin called me last week, too. It's good to hear from these guys. They're great guys. And I'm going to give Bobby Chez a call, too, and uh, see how he's doing. But uh, but these guys were asking about you, too, Bill. I just want to say hi. <laughs> they were asking about me. Uh, good, thanks, you know, because I talk they, to Marlon on a regular basis. Hey, listen, let's uh, take hey. a short break. I got another email. And uh, when we come back, uh, I'll read that email. And then I'm going to break down and give you my predictions uh, as well as get Sal's on all the big fights for this weekend. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I got one more email I want to read today. And then uh, I'm going to get into uh, breaking down and giving you my predictions on the fights for this weekend. This one's from my man Jeffrey out of Pennsylvania. He says, hey, Billy, I really enjoy and look forward to your blast from the past segments. Some bring back great memories and others provide information about fighters of the past that I've never known. I'm not sure if this is appropriate, but I was talking with my grandson, uh, Jake about my numerous trips to Philadelphia and the Blue Horizon 
to watch fights. For me, going to the Blue Horizon wasn't just going to see fights, but actually feeling like you were part of the total atmosphere. Um, he says uh, uh, the sounds, the closeness to the action, the competitive fights, uh, and yes, even the intimidation of being in North Philly was uh, w- with a late-night drive back to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I saw Marvis Frazier, Bert Cooper, a young B-Hop uh, with his uh, executioner mask on and an entourage and even a young uh, Lehigh University student named uh, Sean Hart taking a shot at the pros. Uh, busloads of students and family to support him. Uh, what an awesome, awesome place to experience boxing for a boxing fan uh, that could go uh, by himself and find you were surrounded uh, by welcoming fight fans all around you. I came up on this article uh, and was so sad to learn that this once lauded great boxing venue is in the process of being demoed. Uh, if appropriate, it might be interesting to discuss the Blue Horizon as part of a blast from the past segment. It absolutely played an important role in my love for boxing, and I'm sure many others as well. We're beginning to get some nice fights here at the Sands Casino in Bethlehem, but nothing compares to the Blue Horizon, a national treasure on its way out. Uh, make sure you say hello to Sal and the rest of the gang. Um, you know, I love the idea of uh, of doing a blast from the past on the Blue Horizon, and uh, I'm going to put it on the list, and we will definitely do that. And I do want to add this, um, and, and no, uh, not only let, let me let me make sure I phrase it the correct way. Not only, uh, first of all, I agree with Jeff 100 percent. The Blue Horizon. Uh, a treasure uh, for the sport of boxing, a a, a huge historical past. Um, But no discredit to the Blue Horizon. You know, if you've never experienced a live boxing event, um, you really need to because boxing is like no other sport live. Um, You know, you can, with today's technology, uh, you know, I'm obviously a football fan, um, baseball fan, etc. You can watch those sports on television and and don't get me wrong going to see any live event is always good because you get like uh, jeff puts you get the the sights the sounds the smells the other fans etc um but with other sports the technology kind of makes sitting uh in your living room on a high def with a high definition big screen tv a pretty good seat but boxing is a little different Boxing, you don't get, even with the, the big screen TVs and the high def, you don't get that same feel. You don't hear those punches. You don't see them. You don't see the look in the fighter's eyes uh, when he gets popped. You know, you just, you miss that. And, and I think it's really the only sport left that you're not going to get a better view from home. Yeah, you're going to get the replays and you're going to get the, the slow-mo and all of that. Um, but in most cases, you see that on the screen at the event anyway. Boxing is still, in my opinion, the sport that you must experience live. So what do you think? That's a good point. You know, because other sports, I, I will tell you this. Uh, I, I don't know if I would even be convinced to go to a Super Bowl or a World Series game to watch a, a, both those events rather than sitting home with a... Uh, my family or friends around me having the opportunity to see replays, to see it as it is, and enjoy some commentary. I, I, I like that venue. I mean, I love going to ball games. Don't get me wrong, but to see a live boxing event is an experience, and I think it is something that everyone should. Whoever is a fan, in some way, shape, or form of boxing, 
need to experience going to a live event for many of the reasons you just uh, uh, spoke about right now. I think it's great, and I think uh, what you can see at a live event in boxing is some of the things that the camera uh, may not pick up but, or that you can actually see the detailed uh, frame of your own eyes. So, exactly. yeah, I think it's a good experience for anybody to do because it is an event, and it, it, it has the drama. It has everything else that you may be looking for if you are a real boxing fan. Sure. So sure. I think a, a live event is a definite um, list for any good solid boxing fan to experience no doubt um, um we got some fights that i want to talk about um first and foremost tonight uh jesus soto Carras uh is uh, fighting again 28 and 12 with four draws 18 knockouts he's taking on juan carlos abreu who's uh 19 3 and 1 with 18 knockouts it's uh the main event on tonight's uh uh golden boy show on espn um I'm just going to say this, you know, Jesus Soto Carras, what a warrior he is. Um, it's just that the last couple of fights, you know, it, it seems like he's even, he's slowed down. He takes way too many shots. He's he's tougher than his own good. Um, after his last fight, I, I thought he should hang him up. Uh, you know, that's just my thoughts. I'm not going to break down that fight. I am going to break down the uh, WBA light heavyweight world champion, Dimitri Bivol's fight. He's 11-0 and 9 uh, knockouts. He's uh, fighting on HBO this weekend against Trent Broadhurst. We are going to talk about that. And the WBC, you know, I found this a uh, little interesting. The uh, WBC Bantamweight champion, Louis Neary, uh, after his fight, um, uh, you know, with uh, Yamanaka, it, it was reported that he tested positive for, the, for a banned substance. Um, and as is the case with the WBC, they performed their own investigation into the matter. And the WBC earlier this week released a statement that said, based on the evidence, the WBC wasn't able to make a determination with uh, su sufficient certainty as to whether Neary's adverse finding was the result of an intentional ingestion of a banned substance to improve his performance or if it was based on food contamination. Therefore, the WBC is ordering a rematch between uh, Neary and uh, former champion Shinuki Yamanaka um, for, uh, for their belt. Um, I find this amazing because how can they find enough evidence to, to not let uh, other fighters fight when everybody says they don't, I don't know how it got, maybe it was something I ate, maybe it was my meds, maybe it was my, uh, you know, vitamin supplements. I mean, I, I, to me, this sounds awful fishy, Sal. What do you think? Well, you know, like I said, if you got nothing to hide, don't don't put the subterfuge around No, but my point, you know, yeah, but wait a minute. My point is, how can the WBC say they couldn't tell if it was from a if he ingested it purposely or if it came from something else i mean couldn't anybody say that about any ped anybody could say it about any ped yes you are true whether you get it from a nasal spray whether you get it from here whether you get it from there if something's banned you gotta respect the wishes and understand the reasoning and if you're you're naive enough to think that you're going to validate it because it was a prescribed medication or something else. Uh, as you know, that you can probably easily have done. You're still receiving some of the stimulus or benefits of that banned substance. And uh, 
like I said, these are things that should be disclosed, should be discovered, should be entertained well beyond the uh, reach of, of, of canceling a fight or doing something. They've got to know these things and, and submit it right away. We got some fights this weekend. Uh, first one I'm going to talk about is uh, on Saturday uh, on HBO. It starts early. It's a 545 Eastern time start. Dimitri Bivol is defending his WBA light heavyweight title against Trent Broadhurst. Dimitri Bivol, a lot of people think, is the best uh, uh, light heavyweight on the planet uh, right now. The computer suggests differently. Uh, he's ranked at number 13 uh, in the world by the computer. Like I said, he's currently the WBA world light heavyweight champion. He's six foot uh, tall. He's an orthodox fighter, 11 and 0 with nine knockouts. Got an 82% knockout ratio. Um, you know. He's a good fighter. You know, um, he just hasn't had that signature fight yet. His last fight was a fourth-round stoppage over Cedric Agnew, which you could make the argument was his best opponent. Um, he did fight Samuel Clarkson, who's uh, uh, a... Uh, a uh, that was for the interim title. He's a, he, To me, he's an ordinary fighter. Um, you know, and he fights uh, another guy along those lines. He's fighting Trent Broadhurst. Uh, who's ranked at number 37 in the world uh, by the uh, computer. He's 20-1 and one with 12 knockouts in his one loss. He himself uh, was stopped, and that was uh, early, uh, earlier in his career. He fought uh, Robert uh, Benderidge, uh, who uh, actually uh, Bivol had fought and won, uh, was knocked out in a scheduled uh, eight-round fight in the fifth. When you look at Broadhurst's record, uh, you know, he's, fight, he's fought some journeyman fighters, but again, no big name pops out at you. Uh, I, I, you know, this fight, I, I, I hate to say it, it's HBO. They're not usually known for this, but maybe they're changing their ways. But this is a showcase fight for Bivol. I think Trent Broadhurst is in above his head. I'm picking Bivol in this to win uh, by a vicious knockout. What's your thoughts, uh, Sal? <laughs> I'm going to share that same thought. I think Bivol's going to win. He's going to do it in dominant fashion, and uh, this is going to give what HBO wants, a big old victory on a big level. Uh, the next fight I want to talk about is uh, Sean Porter uh, going up against uh, uh, Adrian Granados. Um, listen, if you've been watching this show for any length of time, you know that I like Sean Porter. Not because he's a master at the sport of boxing, because he's not. Uh, he's kind of a wild fighter. Uh, we kid about uh, him, uh, uh, you know, landing his punches like lightning, and we don't mean we we don't mean fast. Uh, we mean because yeah. lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice, you know. Um, and uh, Sean Porter's accuracy is uh, less than uh, stellar, uh, but nonetheless, the computer sees him at welterweight at number six. He's a short fighter at five foot seven. Um, remember, he he started out uh, much heavier. And uh, has found a, a comfort zone as a welterweight. He's a former world welterweight champion. 27 wins, 17 by knockouts, two losses and a draw. Uh, his uh, uh, losses came uh, at the hands of uh, Kel Brook when he lost his title. And uh, his uh, last loss was against Keith Thurman. Uh, the Kel Brook fight uh, was a bit controversial. Uh, you know, you could say uh, what you want. I thought Porter won. Uh, and in the Keith Thurman fight, although it was a unanimous decision, I thought that that was a little closer than uh, than it seemed as well. Um, but he does have wins over Adrian Broner, uh, Andre Berto, Paulie Malinaji, Devon Alexander, uh, Julio Diaz. Uh, 
Phil LoGreco. Uh, you know, I, I mean, um, I, nobody likes Sean Porter more than me. I, I just, I would love to have seen him fight Floyd, to be honest with you. But uh, he steps in the ring with Adrian Granados. Granados is ranked at number 11 by the computer in the welterweight division. He has a record of 18-5 and five with 12 knockouts and a couple of draws. He's never been stopped. He's coming off a loss against Adrian Broner. Um, you know, it, this fight, I think the re, one of the reasons you're not hearing a lot about it, even though it is on television this weekend, um, I think one of the reasons is because I don't think it's going to be too competitive. No disrespect for Granados, but Sean Porter is going to win this fight, and he's probably going to get another world title shot in his next fight. What do you think, Sal? I think you're right across the board. And, and you know what? How can you not like Sean Porter? I mean, the guy comes to fight. He's in great shape, well-conditioned, I mean, by that. And you know what? He strives and he tries and he challenges himself. He doesn't say no to anybody. And, yes, he throws combinations, and some of them may not be on their mark, but the guy is a gamer. He's in there, and he's got that overwhelming style that if the first, second, or third punch may not catch you, it's going to be the fourth, fifth, or sixth that can and uh, I love the excitement he brings to any fight. And guess what? He has a pretty damn good resume. And to have two defeats on your belt uh, against Keith Thurman and Kel Brook that were both controversial or close, I mean, that's a pretty damn good fighter and a good record. And I think he's got some great fights ahead of him. I think, uh, you know, he can only show uh, more and more improvement. And uh, But I, I love, I love uh, Sean Porter. I think he's a gamer, and I, I support him, and I'd love to see him in another fight against Keith Thurman. Um, the next fight I want to talk about is a heavyweight fight on the undercard of the uh, Wilder-Stavern fight. And I'm not sure if we're going to get to see this fight uh, on Showtime or not. I certainly hope so. Um, uh, and if not, I'm sure we'll be able to see it on the streaming. But Dominic Brazil... Um, is going up against Eric Molina. Now, Eric Molina is uh, is a fighter who was a former, uh, uh, not one, but two-time uh, world title challenger. Uh, a lot of people uh, know Eric Molina uh, because of his uh, uh, fight against Deontay Wilder, in which he challenged Deontay for his uh, WBC World Heavyweight title back in 2015. The thing is, is Anthony Joshua fought Molina uh, earlier, uh, late last year, I should say, uh, and uh, knocked him out in three. Deontay knocked him out in nine. Um, Eric Molina showed us that he's a tough guy. He's ranked at number 18 in the world at the heavyweight division. He's 35 years old. Um, he's uh, six foot four with a 79 inch reach, 26 wins, 19 by knockout. The thing about Eric Molina is when he loses, he gets stopped. He's got four losses in which he was stopped all times, and including in those stoppage losses, his pro debut took place on March 17th in 2007. Uh, he was knocked out in that fight in his pro debut, but then he went on to win 18 fights in a row, 14 by knockout, uh, before his next loss, which uh, happened to have been at the hands of Chris Ariola back in 2012. Eric Molina's a tough guy. He steps in with another tough guy, Dominic Brazil. Um, Dominic Brazil, he too is a former world title challenger, uh, challenging Anthony Joshua uh, for his title uh, in June of last year. Uh, Dominic Brazil is ranked number 13 in the world uh, by the computer. He's uh, also uh, over 30. He's 32 years old. He was a former football player who's uh, uh, turned into uh, a boxer, and he seems to be getting better and better. Um, it seemed early in his career 
that they were, uh, you know, feeding him uh, the right kinds of guys. And, and you know, he had the Lenroy Thomases and the Nagy Aguilaras uh, all uh, uh, beating them. He had a, a, a tough fight with Amir Mansour. Uh, Amir Mansour had to uh, stay on his stool. This was when he, he put his uh, teeth through his tongue. He put pierced the hole right through his tongue. And his corner was critical of him for quitting. And I'm saying to myself, Jesus, you know, how painful must it have been? Uh, but, uh, but, you know, he beat Amir Mansour. He beat Big Fred Cassie. Uh, who's not that big? He beat Devin Vargas. Um, you know he's he's beaten some good guys. And in his last fight uh, on another undercard of uh, Deontay Wilder, he beat uh, Huguenot, a, a, a highly touted uh, prospect. Is it could be Huguenot, uh, who he stopped in in five rounds? Um, I like Dominic Brazil in his fight against Anthony Joshua. He showed us that he's got a granite chin and a hell of a lot of heart. Um, before succumbing to the monster. Uh, I'm picking Dominic Brazil in this fight, and I have a feeling that uh, if Dominic Brazil steps in the ring with Deontay Wilder, that that he wins. I think Brazil is better than Wilder. I, I think Wilder's faster, and, uh, um, you know, in that one fight, shown so, some great boxing ability, but, but I like Brazil against uh, Wilder if that fight ever happens. Who do you like, Eric Molina against uh, Dominic Brazil? Well, you mentioned Dominic Brazil, and we've seen both fighters. And, you know, the first time I saw Dominic Brazil, I said, wow, this guy picks himself up off the canvas. He comes back. You can't count him out. He is a fighter. He is a gamer. My concern for Dominic Brazil is just that he can take a slaughter. He can take on punches, and he just keeps on coming. And I hope uh, he doesn't have to pay for that later. But, uh, he is a he is a conditioned fighter. He comes out there to win and to fight and put it all out on the line. How can you not love a fighter like that that that, that puts it in the ring and and uh, just wants to get to get it on as as we used to hear some uh, referees say. Uh, some Eric referee, Molina, some referee. His name was Mills Lane. I know that he was the, he was great. I love Mills Lane. Um, anyway, but I think uh, Dominic Brazil. I think both fighters know that this fight is very significant for their careers and their future. And I believe both of these warriors are going to go out there and try to uh, try to be big in this fight, in this fight, with a knockout. And uh, who could take a better punch? I think they both could take a good shot. Who could sustain a level of a slaughter and, and, and dish it back? I think they both are. I think this is an excellent fight. I think we're going to see a lot of action. I think we're going to see an ebb and flow. But in the end, I think maybe Dominic Brazil may be coming out the, the victor. So uh, I'm going to go with you there, Billy C. I think Dominic Brazil, uh, I just hope that he uh, has enough uh, to, to outlast Molina and, and, and does it. I think he will. You know, the thing about Dominic Brazil is that he's getting better and better. Uh, he started late and, um, you know, unfortunately in the heavyweight division, Every fight is a knockout, dragout fight when you get when you get hit, you know. So uh, even with some of the guys that we refer to as less than stellar op- opposition, uh, has been a learning process for Brazil. And I, I think I think his um, progression has been exactly what I like to see in a fighter. You know, he has uh, gotten uh, tougher and tougher opponents, and uh, he's facing a similar uh, guy to himself in Molina, but. Uh, uh, it's going to be a good. It's going to be a great fight. Yeah. I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be one of the best fights of the show. And finally, the main event of that card: Berman Stavern 
uh, getting another shot at uh, Deontay Wilder uh, and his old title. Because if you remember, Stavern uh, had that title um, before uh, Deontay did. Berman Stavern, former world champion, uh, 39 years old. As a matter of fact, he turned 39 um, yesterday. And uh, he's eight years older than uh, Deontay. Uh, five inches shorter at six foot two. And he's got a half a foot shorter arm reach at uh, 77 inches. His record, 25 wins, 21 by knockout. Uh, two losses in which he was stopped one time. Uh, and uh, uh, he does have a draw. Now, when you look at uh, Berman Stavern's uh, record, 28 total fights. Realistically, the only, the only two fights that he's had uh, on his resume that you got to say, hey, those were some good fights that he won, was both wins against Chris Ariola, And Chris Ariola has turned out to be uh, basically a club fighter. His knockout loss came at the hands of Demetrius King. Now, if you look up Demetrius King, you'll see that he's got a losing record, and you probably think that the guy is no good. That's totally the opposite. Demetrius King was a young heavyweight that was fed to the Lions way too soon. If Demetrius King, and this is just a side note, if Demetrius King uh, had signed with the right team, we'd be talking about Demetrius King today uh, as, uh, as a champion, in my opinion. Uh, when he fought um, uh, Stavern in 2007, he had a losing record then, 11-15. and 15. But if you punch up Demetrius King, look at who he fought, and then tell me that uh, this guy wasn't fed to the Lions way too soon. But nonetheless, uh, Berman Stavern lost his title to Deontay Wilder in January of 2015 and didn't fight again. Uh, well, he fought that same year in November of 2015 against Derek Rossi, where a lot of people felt that, um, you know, he was the, the beneficiary of a gift decision against Rossi. Uh, he won a 10-round decision and hasn't fought since. It's two years uh, ago that he hasn't fought. Uh, will be slightly under two years. Uh, you know, this guy has been known for not really uh, preparing too well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he does. He's used the excuse that he was sick and that he was lethargic, and he certainly looked it against Wilder. Uh, I thought, and I was waiting for him to, to, to just open up and, and start letting his hands go. He never did, and he didn't do that either against uh, Derek Rossi. Uh, quite honestly, he's never really fought anybody. Uh, so to think that you know he's all of a sudden going to be this action-packed fighter Saturday night would be uh, the wrong approach. But nonetheless, Deontay Wilder, he's a WBC champion. He won the title, like I said, uh, over Stavern in January of 2015. He's had five title defenses since then. And by the way, uh, moving up to that Stavern fight, uh, the only opponents of note that you even can mention is Malik Scott, who, which was a fixed fight. Sakai Lukayevich was uh, also there for a payday, took a dive in one, and Audley Harrison got knocked out in one. Um, those three guys had names, uh, but uh, none of them really came to fight or uh, was told not to fight against Deontay Wilder. His first real fight uh, was against Berman Stavern uh, when he won the title. He did display a jab and boxing ability in that fight. Um, he listened to his trainer, Mark Breland, but he's had five fights since, and he hasn't done anything close 
to boxing. He's gone in and headhunted all of his opponents. After Stavern, he uh, tried to take care of Eric Molina quick. Took him nine rounds to do so. Then he fought Johan Duapaz, uh, a, a, a going into this fight, virtually an unknown fighter. And he developed a huge fan base because of his heart and determination and has one of the most granite chins I've ever witnessed. Um, the shots that Deontay was landing on Duapaz that kept him up. Finally, the referee stopped it in the 11th round. I mean, he was just... Uh, it was just it was it was brutal to watch really because uh, this guy had no defense and uh, was very slow and and Deontay was just trying his hardest to stop and he eventually got the stoppage in the eleventh of his scheduled twelve. Uh, the one fighter I do give Wilder a lot of credit for beating was Artur Spitzka. Not that Spitzka was so great; it's just that he was a relative fighter. This was a guy that was you know meant something in the heavyweight division. He was a legitimate top ten contender. And uh, Deontay Wilder beat him, knocked him out in nine. It was a devastating knockout, probably uh, newsreel, one of the best knockouts uh, in in history, really. I mean, if you look at it, um, it was uh, it was a good knockout. I give Deontay credit for that win. That's actually, in my opinion, his toughest opponent and his best victory uh, to date out of his 38 wins. He's 38-0 with 37 knockouts. The only fighter going the distance was Berman Stavern. After the uh, Spitzka fight, he fought a washed-up, finished Chris Ariola. How Chris Ariola even got that title shot, who knows? Uh, a lot of these fights that we uh, look at Deontay, we all say, how did that guy get this fight? And his last fight against Gerald Washington, he knocked him out in five. Uh, but the one thing that you could say was similar uh, with the Artur Spitzka and the Gerald Washington fight, um, you know, Spitzka was winning that fight. Uh, on my scorecard up until the stoppage, and Gerald Washington was winning the fight up until the stoppage in the fifth round. So Deontay Wilder has become, in my opinion, a headhunter. He goes in there to take off his opponent's head. That's exactly what I think uh, he's going to do to Berman Stavern on Saturday night. Like I said earlier, Stavern's shot, in my opinion, is to be aggressive, is to go out there and attack uh, Deontay. Deontay has shown... Uh, that he doesn't like aggressive fighters. He he doesn't like to be on his back foot. And, uh, you know, if you're aggressive with Deontay, you might sneak in a shot and test that chin. If I'm Berman Stavern, I work the body. I get inside. I'd be aggressive. I roll the dice. And it's, I go into that fight, either kill or be killed. That's my opinion uh, of how Berman Stavern could win the fight. My official prediction, he's not going to win the fight. Deontay Wilder is going to win the fight. Deontay Wilder is going to come out and be aggressive, and want to take Stavern's head off, and he's going to. He's going to knock out Berman Stavern much earlier uh, than uh, than people think. I can't see this fight uh, going uh, eight rounds. I think uh, Deontay Wilder is going to knock him out. He's going to pound his chest, say everybody's scared of him. The same crap we hear from this guy all the time. Uh, I would love nothing more than an upset, not anything against Deontay, but I think it would uh, uh, help the heavyweight division a little better. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen Saturday. I'm picking Deontay. Sal, Rocky, Senecola, how do you see it? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Burmese Deverne, I think he is, is towards the end of his career or twilight of his career. He's, he's beyond he's it. He's beyond the end, right? <laughs> well, well, that's the whole thing. I mean, he's had opportunities. 
He's fallen short several times with his conditioning, with his excuses, with his things. He does have potential to be a gamer. And you know what? It, to win this fight or to even be competitive in this fight, he's a smaller fighter. He's got to fight like a smaller fighter. He's got to work his way in there. He's got to go to the body. He's got to be relentless. He's got to be willing to eat those punches from Deontay Wilder, get inside, cut the ring off on him, and just work the body, which will bring down the head. And that should be his technique. That should be his style. I don't know if he's got the conditioning, the heart, the chin, and the desire to really uh, to, to go through all that, which he needs to do. Uh, Deontay Wilder knows this is going to be a showcase opportunity for him, knows that all eyes are on him to be critical, and knows that this is also going to lead up to an uh, Anthony Joshua uh, fight. So I think uh, with, with that being said, Deontay Wilder is going to want to be at his best He's going to be looking for the knockout. He's got that devastating, freakish knockout power. And I do believe this fight is going to end by a knockout with Deontay Wilder being the victor. So uh, I see the fight much like you do. Uh, but I think Deontay Wilder is going to look very good. He's going to want to look good. And he's going to be very good. Um, don't forget, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, we are not doing a live show tomorrow. It'll be a great chance for you to catch up on some shows that you might have missed. Um, we have this trivia question going on, and uh, I love the answers I'm getting, uh, but the only thing I don't like is we haven't gotten a right answer yet, and I want to give away a copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. So I'm going to ask the question one more time. Um, the question is, who did you, and, and I'll tell you right now, the most common answer and people are so cocky about this answer. I mean, they they act as if they you know they're already waiting for the the the, the game for me to deliver the game. It's not. I'm going to give you a hint. It's not Sam Langford. It's not Sam Langford. Yeah, at at least twelve people have emailed me telling me that the correct answer is Sam Langford. It's not. So cross him off your list. The question is, who did Jack Dempsey? say was the greatest fighter of his weight and height he ever saw. Who did Jack Dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his height and weight that he ever saw? He, meaning Jack Dempsey. If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Good luck to everybody on that. And finally, on this day, November 2nd in boxing history. In 1984, Carlos Santos wins a 15-round decision over Mark Medal uh, to win the IBF Junior Middleweight title that took place in New York City. On this day in 1900, terrible Terry McGovern. Remember, we also had terrible Terry Norris. Terrible Terry McGovern knocks out Joe Bernstein in the seventh round to retain his world featherweight title, and that took place in Louisville, Kentucky. On this day in 1900. On this day in 1915, Ted Kid Lewis wins a 12-round decision over Milburn Saylor uh, to retain his welterweight title, and that took place in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. On this day in 2002, Marco, Marco Antonio Barrera wins a 12-round decision over Johnny Tapia to retain his world featherweight title, and that took place at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And uh, finally, on this day, November 2nd, in 1895, a former world middleweight champion and boxing Hall of Famer, non-parallel, Jack Dempsey, not the heavyweight. This was a middleweight. This was one of the, regarded as one of the greatest fighters ever. Um, 
died on this day. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Ah, on this day in 1895, uh, the original Jack Dempsey died uh, on this day uh, at 32 years old. He was considered Jeez. the best fighter ever, uh, earning the nickname Non-Parallel. Uh, his career record, 51 wins, 23 by knockout, four losses in which uh, he was stopped three times, and 11 draws. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1992 you know so many of these great fighters died so young uh and this the original jack dempsey dying at 32 years old so gee he's a kid basically yeah. i'm telling you wow i think i think uh i got t-shirts older than 32 what, 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 did, what did he die of you know uh i forget i i i think uh i think his <clears throat> i think his liver wasn't doing too well uh from some of the uh from the hard life that uh <clears throat> I yeah. say, was that from the liver shots or the liver shots? Uh, yeah, exactly. From the liver <laughs> shots. Uh, maybe hey, from the, like the firewater. No, that was good. I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, hey, listen, man, that concludes uh, our show for today. Uh, one more time, like I said, we will not be doing a live one tomorrow, but uh, that'll be a great time to uh, catch up on uh, some shows you may have missed. Uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com slash talkin t-a-l-k-i-n boxing b-o-x-i-n-g uh, we have all the stuff uh, up there and I uh, would appreciate it uh, check it out and uh, listen I'll leave you guys with this enjoy all the fights this weekend uh, we got some good ones and we'll be talking about them on Monday uh, but uh, make sure you uh, enjoy the fights and don't forget to do this make sure you tune in Monday morning same bat time same bat channel until then I'll leave you with this ciao baby